Amen. You can be seated. Good to see you here this morning. Please remember to pray for Alberto preaching this Wednesday and Chris leading the music as well. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to John, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7. I also want to thank Chris and Maria for uh, teaching the youth this past Sunday. They shared some of their testimony. They had youth at their house kind of at the last minute, and I'm very thankful for that, for them doing that. Luke chapter 7, let's pick up in verse 19. And John calling, this is John the Baptist, and John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now this is John the Baptist who was the the cousin of Jesus and six months older than Jesus and prophesied in the Old Testament that he would come and be the forerunner of Jesus Christ and announce him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, and he knew that Jesus was Lord. He's the one that said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now he's in prison, and he's starting to doubt and to wonder. He's human, right? He's human being. And God gave him reassurance I think it's very interesting and telling of how the Lord gave him reassurance. He didn't say to John's two disciples that were sent to him, you go back and tell John um, that I said I'm the Savior, and that's it. He, he said he didn't even answer them. It says they came and said, are, John sent us to you saying, are you that should come or do we look, he that should come or do we look for another? And Jesus went about and started curing people that were sick and making the blind to see, and the lame to walk, and the deaf to hear, and preaching the gospel, and casting evil spirits. And he says, you go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. That was his answer. And I want to talk about something very simple this morning, but to me very exciting, that our God is a God of miracles. He's a God who does miracles. He, he does miracles. He did miracles in the past, and he does miracles today. And he wants his people to believe him for miracles. He wants his people to believe him for miracles today. God Almighty desires to show himself mighty through his works, through his signs and wonders. Excuse me. <coughs> He's not afraid of being put to the test. <coughs> He's not afraid of his people calling upon him. He's not afraid they're going to ask him for something that's too difficult for him or too big for him. He says, try me and see. <clears throat> Jesus actually gave and gives his wonders and signs, his miracles, as evidence that he is the Christ. So I want you to think about that for just a minute. If, you know, we, we go today, we went to pick up our little grandbaby out of the daycare where, where she goes every now and then, and, and they asked for my ID because they didn't know me. 
to prove who I was. I said, that's a good policy. I like that, you know. And I showed him my ID. Jesus' ID, <coughs> one of the parts of his ID is the miracles that he does and the works that he does. He gave those miracles as proof and evidence that he is the Savior, that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. Jesus said, and I'll read this myself, <coughs> excuse me, all from John chapter 5. I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Those works that the Lord does as part of the witness of who he is, so a record, bearing record of who he is, okay? And we're going to talk about this this morning. John writes at the end of, towards the end of his gospel, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. He's given the, the miracles as evidence. He wants us to believe that he is the Christ, right? That's the ultimate goal of the miracles and signs and wonders. They're not miracles and signs and wonders just for the sakes of miracles, signs, and wonders. They're miracles because it shows the power of God and the goodness of God to move uh, as he pleases and as he chooses. And he says, these are written, John said, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I'll say this this morning. We're going to read a passage in just, just a moment. I know that you know this, but we need to pro proclaim it and, and say it. Idols can't do miracles. Idols can't do miracles. Idols can't raise the dead. Idols that people bow down to and worship all over this globe and have through the centuries, idols can't deliver a soul from hell. He, idols can't make the lame to walk. They're mythological gods. They're made-up gods. They're vain. The word idol means vanity. That's actually what it means. Idol is vanity. It's vain. It's pointless. An idol can't raise the dead, can't do a miracle, can't do a sign, can't do a wonder. Any god you create in your own mind and then bow down and worship, any, any uh, positive thinking that I'm going to adopt, I want to think positively and confess everything positively, that can't do signs and wonders and miracles. The God of the Bible can do signs and miracles and wonders. I want you to read this with me in Psalms 115. Turn there, Psalm 115. Read verses 3 through 8. There's just, I love it. The Bible is just straightforward and just tells it, <laughs> tells it like it is. Our God, Psalm 115, 3, our God is in heaven. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. That's an idol. An idol is not just a statue. It's not just an it could be that, but it's not just that. An idol is anything we put in place of God and we worship it and we pursue it with our hearts and we follow after it. Our children could become our idols. Anything could become an idol to us. We need to have the Lord sitting there because he alone does miracles. 
And Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of God. You know, it, it, it kind of frustrates me when I'll hear people, skeptics, say, well, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. Yes, he did. He never, he never claimed to be. Have you read the Bible? Have you read the Gospel of John? I and my Father are one. You know, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. Uh, he goes on and on and talks about it, but he claimed to be the Son of God. And the, Paul says in Romans he was declared to be the Son of God with power. So the, any God that's going to be legitimate, any God that's going to be authentic, has to be a God of miracles, or they're not really a God at all. He claimed to be the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. What testifies of that? The Scriptures testify, right? Read through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew has more fulfilled prophecies and Scriptures concerning Jesus' first coming than the other Gospels combined. He was primarily written to the Jews. They knew the Old Testament. So the Gospel of Matthew was written to them. Well, it's written for all of us, but you understand particularly aimed at them because they knew the Old Testament Scriptures and Christ fulfilled them. How many times does it say that it was, it was done that the Scripture might be fulfilled, right? So the Scriptures testify and declare Jesus to be, and prove him to be the Son of God, the fulfilled prophecies. The Holy Ghost testifies that he is the Lord, right? Jesus said he's not going to speak of himself. He's not going to glorify himself, the Holy Ghost. When he comes, he'll glorify me. He'll take what's of mine and show it unto you. He'll bring to your remembrance everything that I have spoken unto you. The Holy Ghost testifies and glorifies Christ. And thirdly, what, glorifies, what testifies that Jesus is the Christ, he's not just another man that came and went, that he was the Son of God and is the miracles, the miracles that he did, that he actually performed in his life, and they couldn't all be written down. John says, I don't suppose, he says, that the world can contain the books if they were, they were written to, to entail every miracle that Jesus did. I know he's a figure of speech, but I don't think the world could contain the books if everyone was written. But these are written that you might believe. Amen? And so the miracles that Jesus does and did, bear, that's when it says they bear record, it means they testify, they witness, they give evidence that he is who he said he was. And people today discount miracles. People today, uh, so many, and the, they call themselves Christians, discount miracles. I want you to look at John. We're going to read uh, several passages from John chapter 10. Look at John 10, 24 and 25. Then came the Jews round about him and said, Unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So the Jews are saying, look, you're, you're leaving us, you're leaving us uh, hanging here. Why do you make us doubt? If you're really the Christ, just tell us plainly. Well, he had told them plainly. They had watched him do miracles. The next chapter over, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and that didn't do it for him. He's telling them that he is. That's an evil heart of unbelief that refuses to believe. But the Lord Jesus Christ gave and gives miracles and performs miracles and signs and wonders as evidence. Not the only evidence, but as evidence that he is who he says he is and claims to be. Jesus answered them, verse 25, I have told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness 
of me. Skip down to verse 37. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. How about that? It's pretty bold. If I really don't do the works of God, then don't believe me. You know, he was the Christ, and he said he was Christ, but he's, he's putting an emphasis upon his works. If I don't do those works, don't believe me. Don't believe that I'm the Christ. Don't follow me. Don't worship me. Don't give yourself to me fully. Verse 41, and many reported unto him and said, John, speaking of John the Baptist, did no miracles, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him. He gave his miracles as proof that he, who, who he was. Even Philip, one of his disciples that had been with him, and he, and he says, he says Philip, have I been so long with you? And still have you not known me? Believe me, he said, that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Believe what I'm telling you, or else believe me for the works that I'm doing. But believe me, one way or the other. He gives all that. Again, he gives the Holy Spirit. He gives the scriptures and the testimonies that bear record every detail of his life, birth, death, everything that's fulfilled. And he gives his miracles. He comes onto the scene, and he's working miracles. Any God, and I'm using that word loosely, any God that is worthy to be worshipped, any God that is worthy to be served, any God that is authentic or real, he, she, or it would have to be able to perform miracles. Now, that's not a God. That's not a God at all. If, if he, she, or it's not able to do miracles, our God the one true living God or the God of the Bible does miracles. He works the works of Almighty God. Jesus said after he rose from the dead and before he ascended to heaven, he was with his disciples. In the Great Commission at the end of chapter uh, 28 of Matthew, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Well, you better be able to back that up. Well, he had backed it up, right? He's telling them, go into this world and preach this gospel to every creature. I'm with you wherever you go. The Lord, it says in Mark as well, work with them, confirming the word with signs, following. He's got to be a God of miracles. He said, I've, uh, he told Pilate, you don't have any authority over my life. I have power because Pilate says, don't you know I could let you go if I wanted to? And Jesus said, look, you don't, you don't have any authority over me. None. I have this authority. My father gave it to me. I have power. Now, who else could say this and do it? I have power to lay down my life. And I have power to take it up again from the dead. This commandment have I received of my Father. If I don't do the works, Jesus said, that my Father, of my Father, don't believe me. But he did. He does. He continues to today. And the God of this Bible is a God of miracles. I don't know if y'all have run across it just in modern day Christianity, reading books or, or whatever, listening to sermons talking to other people in other churches and, and so forth, many do not believe in miracles. Can I tell you that, that that's sad. It's, 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 it's a shame that we wouldn't believe in miracles and call ourselves Christians. Many don't believe in miracles. I believe their hearts are hard. They're too, and I, I use this word, you understand what I'm saying, they're too educated to believe in miracles but they call themselves Christians. They're too uh, educated to believe in a God who performs miracles today and this day. The Bible speaks of scoffers and mockers. They ridicule and dismiss and reject and slander 
the God of the Bible, who is a God of miracles. And we know that's in the world. We understand that that's, that's the way it is in the world. But to think this is how it is, I believe, in many of our, our churches among people. I wouldn't say they slander God, but they don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in the God of miracles. Jesus said, uh, this is written when Jesus had multiplied the fish and the loaves, and the people still didn't believe on him the next day. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. It says, for their heart was hardened. This is Jesus' own disciples at this time. They considered not the miracle. He had done a miracle and multiplied the fish and the loaves and fed the 5,000 with just a handful of food. And they had 12 baskets of food left over. They didn't consider it. Their hearts were hardened. I don't want my heart to be hardened. I want to believe God. I don't want to believe him for miracles. I, don't want to, I want to believe him for miracles in our day. But I think many in our churches who would claim to be Christian don't believe in the miracles. And also they will claim it's not necessary to believe in miracles. Now, I don't know how far I'll go with saying it's necessary. But if Jesus said, believe me for my work's sake, then I would say it's important. Believe me for the words I say and believe me for my works, the miracles that I've done. Believe me that I am the one that the scriptures are writing up. But there are many today that don't believe God still does miracles, and they'll say it's not necessary. I'll give you some examples. They don't believe in an actual physical, physical, literal, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is that a miracle? Absolutely. It's a miracle. He laid down his life. The third day after being buried in a tomb, he rose physically and literally. He even told Thomas, look, touch me and handle me. A spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see me have. This was after the resurrection. He had a physical body of flesh and bone. It was a It was a new body that he received, but it was still his body. But people say it's not necessarily necessary to believe in that. But the Bible says that he showed himself alive, Acts chapter 1, after his passion by many infallible proofs. Many infallible proofs. He showed himself. And so to, believe, to not believe in the God of miracles, people discount they, that and they say it's not necessary. They don't believe, but many today don't believe in the biblical account of creation. Now, I'm, I'm almost wondering who does believe it anymore. It, it's amazing. People that, that I know that, that don't believe in a biblical Genesis account of creation. And they say, well, that's not important. We don't have to believe that. Well, if all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and if God is a God of miracles, could he not create the world in six literal days? And the evening and the morning were the first day, and then the second day of creation, and the evening and the morning were the second day. People get too smart for their own goods, too smart for their own good, and they discount and say it's not necessarily necessary to believe that. You know when the Lord finished Everything in six days, he rested or ceased on the seventh day. That kind of represents a Sabbath rest. It was complete. It was finished. He wasn't tired. He, he finished. He rested because it was over. The work was finished. But he says he looked at everything he made, and it was very good. It was very good after six real days. But people say it's not necessarily necessary to believe in that, and it's dismissed. And people say, well, I'll believe in theistic evolution. To me, that's honestly just a cop-out. 
That's just saying I want to believe in evolution, but I'm a Christian, so I'm going to call it theistic evolution. I'm going to say that God used evolution to make everything. That's really what that is. It's a, it's a fancy word for saying I don't believe the Bible, okay? Theistic evolution, that God, God used evolution. What is evolution, right? Survival of the fittest, death, life and death, and things that are deformed and things that aren't, aren't perfectly formed and, and struggles to survive. That's, God said when he finished it, it was very good. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. I've given you dominion over all the earth. And Adam gave names to the animals. It's, it's a shame to not, believe, when you go down that road, I don't, I don't know where people stop. I don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's for today. I don't believe that in the miracles, that if he did any, he serves through, he's not doing them today. I don't believe in the Genesis count of creation. And on and on and on. I don't really believe he was born of a virgin. Uh, that's impossible. And on and on, where do we end up? I know that I've mentioned, I've mentioned it to you before. This is 25 years ago probably. And maybe some of you are familiar with it called the Jesus Seminar where they got all these leaders of all the mainline denominations in the U.S. and got them together. And they literally sat in a room and they would read a passage of Scripture and I know I'm simplifying it, but they would literally read a passage of Scripture from the Bible. Here's the head of Episcopalian, Lutheran, whatever, Methodist, Baptist. And I know there's wonderful Christians in all in these denominations, okay? But I'm saying the Jesus Seminar, they would read a passage of Scripture. They would say, do you think that really happened? Do you think Jesus really walked on the water? And they would vote. No, he didn't. They would basically tear that out. They went through the miracles and died. Do you think he was really born of a virgin? Well, no, of course not. We'll vote on it. He wasn't born. And they're deciding. This is little pinheaded people sitting around deciding on a God that created them. That created them. Sitting in judgment of God. Let me tell you, God's sitting in judgment of us. Amen. Thank God he's on our side. He's our advocate. He's, on, he's our good shepherd and he's on our side. But when you start down this road and said, I don't think it's necessary to believe in six days literal crea uh, creation and, and so forth, where do we end up? I think it's in order for people, this is just like anything with Christianity, in order to feel uh, on the inside, not the outside of the world, to be we don't want to be rejected, we don't want to be shunned, we don't want to be ridiculed, we want to fit in with a Christ-rejecting world, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave some of this supernatural kind of stuff behind. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this, this morning that I want to, I believe the miracles of the Bible and I want to believe the miracles of the Bible. I need miracles. I've had miracles take place in my life. They're not coincidence. They're not uh, anything like that. And y'all, it's not, it's not wishful thinking. God wants us to believe. In other words, you just hope that there's miracles. That's, that's a hope detached from reality. Either, either this, y'all, either the Bible is the true, authoritative, living word of God, and we can trust it, or it's not. And if it's not, let's close it up right here. Let's leave, and let's go eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we perish. But if it is true, then it's all true. 
not just the points that I can reason to be true. If it is true, I can believe it, and I can believe all of it. I can believe the account of the Genesis flood. Can I picture it? Can I understand it perfectly? The different species of animals on the boat and so forth? No. Can I believe it? Absolutely. And it's not wishful thinking. God declares it to be so. And he gives me the faith to believe it in my heart. The word of God bears witness, and the miracles that Jesus did bear witness. It's not a fairy tale. If God's word is true, and it has been proven to be true, we could talk about that at another time. The fulfilled prophecies especially prove it to be true, and unlike any other book ever written. But if it's true, we can believe what it says, and we can believe the miracles of God. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but the God who gave it and revealed himself to us through it is a miracle-working God. I want you to turn to your Old Testament to Judges. Judges chapter 6. Just real quickly, I want us to look at Gideon. You might think it's a strange place to go on a sermon about miracles. But look at Judges chapter 6. This is a time where there was no king in Israel. Every, every man did what was right in their own eyes. The Midianites were so numerous. They were like grasshoppers. And once a year or however often they would come and just, just plunder the land of Israel. They would trample their crops. They would take what they wanted. The people didn't have any real defense. They weren't serving God. And there's this man named Gideon. He's actually hiding, hiding from the Midianites in the wine press, threshing wheat getting a little bit of food. He's doing it in the wine press so he wouldn't be seen. Okay, and God comes and speaks to him. Verse 11, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under the oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained, pertained unto Joash, the Abez, Abezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. And I love Gideon's response. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then, he asked two questions, why is all this befallen us? And two, where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Now, I can tell you this. Gideon was afraid, but Gideon knew enough about God to know he's a God of miracles. Okay? If God is with us, why, first of all, the Midianites trampling all over us every year? And where are all God's miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. Okay, you're going to save your people. But the point to me is, here's just a man. He was just a regular man like you and I. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a general. He wasn't anything like that. And God speaks to him, and he knew enough to say, if God is with us, where are those miracles that I hear about? Because this man knew the God that I know of is a God of miracles. And I can tell you here this morning, the God that I know of and the God that you know of and the God of this Bible right here is a God of miracles. I'm still believing him for revival for our country. I'm still believing him for healings for different people. I know that God's, and just quickly, I know God's word speaks of false signs. There are lying signs and wonders that Antichrist uh, will do during the tribulation period. There are false and lying signs and wonders in this day. 
by the spirit of Antichrist at work in people. But the Holy Ghost, th- those false signs do not line up with the Word of God. They don't line up with the Word of God. They don't point men to Christ. They don't plead for men to come to know Jesus and, and believe this gospel. And we don't follow after signs and wonders. I know that you've heard that before. As believers, I don't follow after signs. Where, where's this going on? In Pensacola? This is going on in Canada? Where I'm going to follow? We don't follow after signs and wonders. What does the Bible say? That the signs and wonders follow them that believe. That be with the, those signs and wonders ought to be around you and me when we go out sharing the gospel with somebody. When someone's sick in this church, we anoint them with oil and lay hands on them and pray for them. The signs and wonders are to follow the believers. The believer doesn't follow around, oh, there's a miracle over here. Let me run over there to, to that country, to that city, and see that. that uh, we're not, that's not the way that God's called it to be. But don't let the fact that there are false signs and wonders keep you from believing the real. I know you've heard the saying, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, okay? Uh, I think that's with so many things in the Bible that, that we say, okay, there's false signs and wonders. There's perversions of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? We know that. And so what do we do? We want nothing to do with any of that. And we, we end up cutting off our nose to spite our face. Is that how it goes? Uh, to where we don't, we're not baptizing the Holy Ghost because we've seen people over there that are weird and perverted and it's unholy and ungodly, so I want nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just go here? Why don't you just go here? Are there perversions of it? Absolutely. Pick, pick anything in the Bible. There's a perversion of it somewhere in living color, somewhere right around you. And so we say false signs and wonders, and we say, well, I don't want to be deceived, so I, stay, I don't want anything to do with miracles and signs and wonders. And we end up not believing in a God who does miracles today. I want to believe him for that, y'all. I want to believe him for that. Can I tell you that, and I'm bringing this to a close, that there are people today in our churches for the miracle. I don't want to be like that, and, and I, I just don't, I want to believe him for the miracles. But there are many in our church world that, that are so educated or sophisticated or whatever that they're blinded to the God of the scriptures. They're not believing God for a miracle. They're not, they're not even asking him for a miracle. They're not believing him for a healing. They're not believing him for revival in our country. They're not re- believing him for supernatural provisions. They're not believing him for devils to be cast out or demons to be cast out of people in the name of Jesus. But when I read the Bible, I read of a God, and the Holy Ghost bears witness to this, of a God who does miracles. I read of a God who makes the blind to see. I remember Clendenin uh, sharing this, Brother Clendenin, that, and I know I've shared it with you before, but praying over uh, at the end of a service somewhere. He was preaching and just praying over people at the altar. And he didn't even know what everybody was needing prayer for. There was a lady that was blind in the crowd. He didn't know her. He, he wasn't, they didn't have a conversation. He's praying over people. And he puts his hand in her, Lord, give her her sight. And he moves on and prays over after over all the other people. The lady was healed. She had been blind and she received her sight. That's in our day. That is, I, I read of a, of a God who makes the blind to see. I read in the Bible of a God who makes the deaf to hear. 
And I read in the scriptures of a God who can reconcile marriages where you say there is no way that could be done. I, I read of a God who can bring Holy Ghost revival. I believe I read of a God who does impossible things. I read of a God who gives strength to the, strength to the weak, who delivers people from the mouths of lions, who raises the dead to life, who sends ravens to feed his prophets like he did Elijah, who brings the pr- proudest, hardest, most stubborn sinners to repentance. There's not a bigger miracle than that because it involves the will of a human being. Not a bigger miracle. He can part the Red Sea, but to get someone to open up their heart and repent and give their life to Christ, that's a bigger miracle because I have a will and I can say no, no, no all day long. He gave me that will. Amen? But I read of a God who can save the most hardened sinner. He He can provide jobs. He can provide homes. He can provide help to pass a hard test in school. I read of a God who breaks the strongholds of besetting sins. He's still doing miracles today. I read of a God who baptizes believers in the Holy Ghost. And I want to believe that. Amen. I believe it. I want to believe it. God wants us to believe it. I'm going to close with this from Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Verse 22, this is Peter's sermon. You men of Israel, hear these words of Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves know. Verse 36 of the same chapter. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is a a man... He is God, the Son of God, approved to be God by signs and wonders and miracles. And I can tell you, we need the Lord. Amen? I need that God. I need the God that opens the eyes of the blind. I need the God that can save the hardest sinner. I need the Lord, the God that can touch a sick person and heal them when the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with them. I need a God that can reconcile family members that have been estranged for 30 years. We need that God. We need that God today. And he is not afraid for us to call upon him like that. Y'all stand with me. Do you come? I know it's a simple word this morning, but the God of this Bible is a God of miracles, and he wants us to believe him for that. Amen. Y'all come and pray and seek the Lord. Ask God to give you the faith. Lord, we just come before you. And like the disciples, Jesus, that were afraid on the boat when the waves were crashing over it, they said, Lord, Strengthen our faith. Lord, increase our faith. God, I pray you give us the faith to believe you for miracles. Every person in this room needs a miracle of God, maybe in their finances, maybe in their to be delivered from a besetting sin that held them bound for far too long. They've tried everything, God. You can set them free. God, we're believing you for miracles in our country to turn us to you. If this country's turned, it has to be you. And if it's turned to you, it has to be you that does it, God. And when it's done, it's going to be a miracle. God, we need you, Father. We need the God of the Bible. We need the the Lord who touched people, God, and they were healed and demons were cast out, Lord. 
God, I pray that you would give us the faith to believe you. First of all, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are still a God of miracles. But we're also asking you, God, to, to give us the faith to believe you for those in our day, God, in our own lives, in our own church. God, forgive us if we have become carnal in our thinking and reasoning and discounted, dismissed the miracles of the Bible and the God who did them. Forgive us, God. We need you today, Lord, and we're asking you to be the God of miracles for us. We need you, Lord, and we need you to move in this power. We're not desiring, nor are we going to follow after false signs and wonders, God, but we are asking in the midst of your people and on, on our behalf, God, that you would work mighty signs and wonders, God. That people would know that Jesus is Lord. That people would give their life to Christ. Having seen, like in, in Philip's day in Samaria, God, that people with one heed, one accord gave heed to the things that Philip said, seeing and hearing the miracles that he did. Help us to live that way, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.